So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to invite you to turn with me uh, to Job chapter 6, verse 10. Now listen, we're going to be all over the book of Job. And so it doesn't, it it honestly doesn't matter to me whether whether you get scripture uh, uh, by by paper, paper, leather style Bible and turn to the scripture or you use your iPad, your, you know, your droid, your phone or whatever. Um, And and if you do, just 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 for you to know. Um, you can use an app called Uversion. And if you go to Uversion app and you open it up and search for this event, punch in Fellowship of the Rockies, select on that, then all the notes are going to come up for you. All the scripture is going to come up for you. All the notes are going to come up for you. You can actually type and fill in the blanks and all that other stuff. And then you can email those things to, your, to yourself or to that person that you really wanted to hear this message who wasn't here. Uh, you can email it to them. And so, uh, but anyway, that's one way for you to take notes. So Job chapter 6, verse 10, I'll get there in a second as you're, as you're either turning to or clicking to. And, and we're going to look at this issue of what happens in life when you're overwhelmed. What happens in life or how do you respond when you get to that place when, it's been, when you've been overwhelmed, it's been prolonged for so long to where nothing like makes sense in your life. I mean, the pain is so great or the season is so great that all of a sudden you come to that place and nothing makes sense to you. Uh, changing channels and, 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 and I got to, I think it was a discovery. stuff like that and so they were looking at the wildebeest and you know what i always feel sorry for the wildebeest because they're like always on someone's menu right uh whether it's the cheetahs or the leopards the tigers or the lions or or the hyenas or whatever that it seems like the wildebeest they're just like these these animals that they're they're always on someone's uh meal plan they're always on someone's lunch plan but the interesting thing about the wildebeest is this is that what they tell us is they have this swarm intelligence in other words this that wildebeest travel together in community they travel together in herds they they problem solve together they work together. They have this survival instinct in community. In other words, this, that wildebeest will take the, the, the weaker wildebeest, the younger wildebeest, the, the slower ones, the frail ones, the sick ones, all of those, and they will actually put those inside of the herd. And then they'll take the stronger and the faster wildebeest and put them on the outside of the herd for protection. At night, uh, they have wildebeest that actually rotate taking watch. In other words, some wildebeest don't sleep when the herd is sleeping. And they watch out for predators and they watch out for, for, for any threat that comes to them because they have this swarm intelligence. But it seems like with wildebeest, there's always that one guy, right? There's always that one guy that wanders away from the herd like, I don't need the herd anymore. And lions watch for guys like that. And so as that one wildebeest begins to separate from the herd, it's like the other herd starts screaming at him like, Earl, don't do it. Earl, don't leave. Don't leave us. Earl, Earl, you need the herd. Earl, you need us. And it seems like to me that Earl responds back and says, I don't need you guys anymore. You were offensive to me. You didn't remember my name. You didn't remember my prayer request. You didn't greet me. You didn't do things according to my preferences. And so I, I don't need you guys. I just don't need you guys anymore. And it seems like lions watch for earls. I, I actually want to show a video, but some people thought that'd be way too graphic. But it'd be memorable. <laughs> 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 
But I mean, it seems like, right? It seems like lions look for guys like that. This has spiritual implications too. This has spiritual principles as well. When an earl wanders off, he says, I, I don't need the church anymore. I don't need to come into community anymore. You guys were mean to me. You guys were offensive to me. You guys forgot some things. I don't like everything that's going on. So as a result of this, I'm going to do Christianity in isolation. God's word is clear. We were never, never, never designed to do Christianity in isolation. Psalm 68, 6 tells us that, tells us that God created us with this swarm intelligence for us, if you will. To where we do life with believers. We do life in community. See, one of the most amazing principles of Job, in my estimation, through the book of Job, and we're going to go through a lot of scripture this morning. One of the amazing principles of the book of Job is this, is Job got that. Job believed that. Job understood that, guess what? I need my friends. I need Christian community. And guess what? They need me. I mean, we've learned that Job was like the best of the best. He was like this guy that was devoted to his wife and he's devoted to his kids. He's devoted to his church. He's devoted to worship. He's, he's devoted to Christian friends. He's, he, he's this guy that was just like the best of the best. And we've learned in Job's life that guess what? That, that bad things happen to good people. And that we should never get to that place in life to where we expect life to be fair. If we expect life to be fair, we'll just, we'll just become bitter and, and cynical people. And so we've learned that all of a sudden Job comes into the season of life for whatever reason when his life has fallen apart and when he's overwhelmed. And now we're to this place in his life to where it just seems like life does not make sense to him. I mean, he was once like this multimillionaire. He was one of the most famous or most influential men of, of his area. But through a series of events that happened to Job, and he lost his kids, he lost his home, he lost his income, he lost his business. And then he loses his, his health. And once very wealthy, now Job is like in poverty every day. And before we get to Job chapter 6, Job 19, 16, here's what he says. And you just hear his pain. And he says, I call to my servant, but he gives no answer. In other words, he's talking about his employees. He goes, oh, yeah, you, you know what our relationship was built on? I was just a paycheck to them. When I was able to fund them, when I was able to pay for them, when I was able, I was a cash cow to them. And when I go through problems, I call to them. They don't even answer. I must plead with him with my mouth for mercy. I mean, all of a sudden you see this dramatic change in, in, in Job's life. I mean, he's lost like everything. And see, see, loss that he had to deal with, especially prolonged loss, it was a daily reminder of how painful life was. See, Job is learning this principle. Job is learning a principle that that sometimes grief doesn't get any easier as time goes on. In fact, for some, it may get a little bit more difficult. Job probably, miss, listen, Job probably missed his kids more six months after their death than when they first passed away. Because now birthdays have rolled around and Christmases and celebrations and reunions and all that other stuff, and Job's having to deal with that. And once very healthy in Job's life, and now he has like this daily physical reminder that life doesn't make sense and pain. The fact is, if you just start going through the scriptures about Job's physical state, you realize that the Bible is, 
said about Job that his face was swollen and red from crying so much that because of his illness and because of his physical challenges, that, that his, his, his breath was offensive to it, like his wife and, and, and to his friends, and they, they didn't even want to be near him. Job had lost a tremendous amount of weight. When Job would go into town and would go out in public, the young kids would like laugh at him and make fun of him because of his, 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 his physical state had changed so much. The scripture says this about Job's life when life didn't make sense for him, that, that his body, listen, his body would literally shake and tremble because fear of the future and fear of the unknown. How am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to take care? How am I going to lead through this? I mean, Job physically had this gnawing pain that did not allow him to get a, get a good night's sleep. That pain would interrupt his sleep. And his skin was turning black from like the boils and, and the skin disease that he had. And the only way that Job could get relief is he'd take this piece of pottery and he'd break it. And he would lance those boils. And so then we come to Job chapter 6 verse 10. And, and, and he says as Job's talking. And he says, this would be my comfort. I would even exult in pain and unsparing. For I have not denied the words of the Holy One. In other words, he's talking about, man, I've stayed true. I have stayed true. What is my strength that I should not wait? And what is my end that I should be patient? Is my strength the strength of stones or my flesh bronze? You know what he's asking? Am I, can I really handle this? I'm not a man of steel. I'm not a man of, of stone. I mean, I, I've got some real hurts and I've got some real pains. Verse 13, have I any help in me when my resources is driven from me? He who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Verse 15, lowest of lows is where he's at. Verse 15, he says, My brothers are treacherous as a torrent bed, as a torrential stream that streams that pass away. You know what he's saying about his friends? My friends are like an intermittent stream. My, my, my friends, my friends, when the season is good, when there's celebration, it's like a stream that is flowing. But when I go through those dry times of my life, it's like my friends dry up. They disappear like a stream. It's dry. I want to give you three things. I want to give you three things this morning about that you will struggle with when you go through difficult times in your life. The first thing you're going to struggle with is when you struggle, you will struggle with your family and friends. You will struggle with family and friends. Now listen, Pastor Dwayne last week preached an entire message on this, and I'm just going to touch on this in a little bit different way. But I'm going to tell you, on Tuesday, I got to, I got to hear Pastor Dwayne's sermon on, online, and I thought he knocked the ball out of the park. I thought that was one of the best sermons that have ever been preached here. And if you have not heard that, you need to go online and you need to hear, hear that sermon. And so one of the things that you will struggle with, you will struggle with the relationship with family and friends. Job says this in Job 19.14. He says, my, my, my relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. Listen, that was true in Job's life, and that's just going to be true in your life as well. Job did have some friends that came and saw, uh, to see him. He had three friends. Now, listen, this is amazing to me because Job was, he had the biggest company. He was, he was, he was an important CEO. He was an influ influential man. He was a very wealthy man. And are you telling me only three friends came to see him? You know, let me, let's just stop. The most important thing that you can do for someone, when someone's overwhelmed and when life doesn't make sense to them, make contact with them. 
if you're not careful, sometimes you're tempted, right? Sometimes you're tempted. When that friend or family member is going through something and there is no answer, to not make contact with them. To kind of ignore it, kind of pretend like it's not even going on, it's not even happening. I mean, what do you do? What do you do when someone goes through a divorce? What do you do when someone's betrayed by a husband or a wife? What do you say? What do you say when someone's lost a mom or a dad or a late? What, what do you say when someone's lost a child? I mean, what words do you say when someone's lost income, lost a job, lost a reputation? See, if you're not careful, you would be tempted because there are no answers. If you just kind of ignore it and pretend like it's not even going on. But uh, let me just tell you, that, that is of no help. And that is hurtful to the individual that's going through problems. And so, so Job has like these three friends that, that come and see him. And so here's their response in, in Job chapter 2 verse 12. He says, and when they saw him from a distance, when his friends saw Job, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads towards heaven. And they sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights. So, so, so a week they sat with him. And no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was very great. Now listen, their reaction may seem strange to you. But actually their reaction was the most healing thing that they could have ever done. They were willing to mourn with him. They were willing to weep with him. They were willing just to sit there and not try to excuse it away or give a theological answer. I mean, for, for a week. And as a pastor, I've walked with people through unbelievable pain and unbelievable hurt and plenty of seasons when life doesn't make sense. When you have conversations with, with people that have walked through seasons like that, and I've asked them, hey, by the way, what... what who ministered to you the most? What was the most healing thing to you in that time? You know what they always say? That friend. That would just be with me. That friend that would just come and sit with me. And I know that they were willing to walk through this with me. They weren't trying to give any theological answers. They, they weren't trying to fix me. That they were just willing to sit with me and let me process out some hurt and pain. And so Job's three friends stayed with him for about a week. And then all of a sudden, Job begins to talk. And he process out, processes out some pain. And it's raw. And his friends decide, you know what? Now's our time. And we need to fix him. And we need to correct him theologically. In other words, they begin to say things like, Job, if you were really a man of faith, you wouldn't be depressed. I mean, we, we get it. You can be sad, you can be depressed for a week, but it's been a week now. Get over it. If you really had faith in God, you wouldn't be depressed. I mean, when you go through Scripture, you, you, you realize that they begin telling him some things like, Job, guess what? God, God's faithful. God's going to rescue you. Uh, God, one day, Job, you're going to laugh at this. You're going to laugh at famine. One day, Job, God's going to bless you again. You're going to have property again. Uh, Job, you're a young man. You, you'll be able to have kids again. Uh, Job, we just really believe that God's going to bless you and you're going to die a rich man. All of those things were theologically true because we know, I mean, we have the whole book of Job. And so we know that those things were true. But the time wasn't right. It, if a parent loses a child, 
It doesn't help a grieving parent by telling them, you know what, you're young, you can have a child again. Because you know what they're going to tell you? They're going to tell you, you know what, I don't want another child. I want my child back. I want my child back that I loved and had a relationship with. Job's three friends did not understand what Job was going through. They didn't understand his pain and his hurt and his loss. They had never lost kids. They had never lost a business. They had never lost income. They had never lost their health. Just so we're tracking this morning. There is no way. There is no way you can measure someone else's pain. Don't ever try. Man, I remember when my dad passed away. And people are well-meaning. See, I really believe Job's three friends, they were well-meaning. They wanted to help him. They just had no frame of reference because you can't measure the pain and the hurt and the loss of someone else's life. And there were some well-meaning people around me that wanted to comfort me. And I had people tell me things like, hey, Charlie, cheer up. This is going to make you a better preacher with your dad's death. Because you're going to understand what mourning's like. You're going to understand what it means to lose a loved one. And it's going to make you a better preacher. You know what I thought inside? I don't want to be a better preacher. I just want my dad back. It, it doesn't help anyone to, at that point to try to excuse it away or try to explain it away. But when your friends say that or when people say things like that, that even though they're trying to help you, even though they're trying to help you and say things like, you know, God needed your friend, God needed your, relate, your, your husband, your wife, whoever, God needed them more than you. Even though that's wrong theologically because God is not a needy God, uh, Acts 17, 25 tells us that. Try to be patient with your friends. When they misunderstand you. Because some friends will try to help you. But they have no reference of your pain. They've never walked through that. And you may need to develop some friends. Maybe a support group or some people that have gone through some things that you have gone through that can understand that. Listen, let me tell you something. Don't expect more out of your friends and your friends can deliver. See, this is an amazing thing about Job. Job got it. Job understood. I need them and they need me. Even though they said some things that were offensive, even though they hurt me, I need Christian community. I need them and they need me because they just didn't understand. I mean, one of the healthiest things that Job did was to, to stay in community because the, the, the scriptures are clear. God doesn't heal so much in isolation. God heals in community. In healthy community, there, there's a couple of things. In healthy community, there, there, there's, there's restoration. Uh, Paul writes about this in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He begins to walk, write about this issue of restoration. Here's what he says in Galatians 6, 1. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, not harshness, not judgment, not any of that. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And then here he goes, verse 2. Bear one another's burdens... So fulfill the law of Christ. Some translations will tell you, bear one another's burdens as if they were your own. In other words, what he says, Christian community, if someone's caught in sin, we try to restore them with gentleness and care and all those other things. If someone in community is bearing a burden, the fact is that word bear is, is the picture in the Greek of someone carrying a backpack that is way too heavy for them to carry. 
And it's another one coming alongside of them and said, hey, let me take some of the weight out of your pack and put it on me. And I'll bear the load with you. See, see, scripture is clear. Comfort comes from God. God comforts others, us, through community. God comforts us through community. In other words, listen, we need each other. See, that's just powerful that Job got that and he understood that. That's why Paul said in Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens as if they were on. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ, which leads us to the next one. We not, only have, we not only have restoration that happens in healthy community, but we have a responsibility. You realize that? In Christian community, in a Christian life, you, you and I have a responsibility. We have a responsibility not only to bear our load, but to bear someone else's burden. Verse 3, look at this. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Job's friends could have used that verse, right? See, they thought they could speak for God. They thought that they were the judge and they could speak for God and his emotions and his thoughts and his plans and all of those other things. They thought that they knew what Job was going through. But see, our responsibility is, you know, our responsibility is, is that we come to that place to where we bear one another's burdens. Verse 5, watch this. For each will have to bear his own load. Yes, people can help you. And yes, people come along inside of you. But we also have, we also have a responsibility to try to bear our load. You ever, you ever tried to help someone that doesn't want help? You ever tried to help someone that won't do anything for themselves? It's almost impossible to help them. And this is what he's saying about Christian community. We have a responsibility and we have a responsibility to stay in, in community. So we don't become like Earl and separate away from the pack. Job needed his friends. His friends needed him. I want you to see this is the end of Job. Job chapter 42, verse 7. And I want you to see how God healed them in community. Verse 7, he speaks to Job's three friends. And he says, God says, my anger burns against you and against your two friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right. So just stop right there. When you become God's spokesperson, when you speak for God into a situation, you better make sure it's right. For you have not spoken to me what is right, as my servant has. Now, therefore, still talking to his friends, take seven bulls, seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourself. And my servant Job shall pray for you. And I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant has. And in verse 9, we understand that Job's friends goes and talks to Job. Job's pray, pray for them. Let me tell you what was happening there. Job was telling, God was telling Job's three friends, you need to go to Job and you need to ask for his forgiveness. You need to tell him you're sorry for all the dumb things you said. Because you couldn't understand his pain and his level of pain. And then Job, you need to forgive your friends. And you need to pray for them. And God healed Job and his three friends in community. I think it would be amazing to know how close those four friends were, were after that. Can I just tell you this? That's where real friendships are built. That's where real friendships are established. Is when you go through those difficult times of life and you stay in community with one another. That's when you know who your, your real friends are. That understand you. And that love you. So when life doesn't make sense, when you're overwhelmed, you're going to struggle with your relationship with family and friends.
Second thing is this. You're going to struggle with your relationship with God. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll start having those moments where you'll struggle with your relationship with God. See, Job still believed that he still believed in God. He was still a God follower, even though he was having pain and problems in his life. Job 13, 15, we're going to run through a bunch of scriptures real quickly. I just want you to get a glimpse of Job's life and his thoughts. Uh, Job 13, 15, though he slay me, speaking of God, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. Job 19, 25, for I know that my Redeemer lives and that at last he will stand upon the earth. In other words, all of a sudden, Job's starting to go into this time of this prolonged pain and this hurt and all these other issues. And Job didn't understand why God seemed so distant and so far away. Job 13, 24. Why do you hide your face and count me as an enemy? Job 23, 3. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to him, even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. Job 19, 7. Behold, I cry out violence, but I am not answered. I will call for help, but there is no justice. Job is really struggling now. Uh, Job 23.8, behold, I go forward, but, there, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him, but he knows the way that I take when he has tried me, and I shall come out as gold. Do you think there was some pride in Job's life? Job 30.20, I cry to you for help, speaking of God, and you do not answer me. I stand and you only look at me. Listen, we, we read a bunch of scriptures how Job reacted, how Job reacts when, when his life was, was, didn't make sense and when he was overwhelmed. Let me ask you this, how do you react? When your pain is relentless, when there's no end in sight, when there's no answer and nothing makes sense. And it, it seems like that there's no sign of God and you wonder if God even hears your prayers. Listen, let me tell you something. When you go through those desert times, when you go through those times of difficulty, that's when you have to rely on God's promises and not, not signs or feelings. Listen, let me just tell you, especially in desert times in lo of life, there's a big difference between the silence of God and the absence of God. If, if God feels distance from you, it has nothing to do with God. Nothing to do with your sins. It has everything to do with your emotions and feelings. Listen, it is faith that pleases God, not emotions and not feelings. It, it, faith, trust, regardless of emotion. Remember, God, God knew everything that Job was walking through and going through. A verse that I've held on for years when I've gone through those desert times, when I've gone through those difficult times, is Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. It says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The last thing is this, when life doesn't make sense, you will struggle with your relationship with yourself. You struggle with your relationship with family and friends. You're going to struggle with your relationship with God. And then you'll struggle with your relationship with yourself. In other words, you have to guard against bitterness in life. Bitterness will destroy you. See, when you go through these times when life doesn't make sense, there are choices of the heart that you make. Let me just tell you, the choices that you're making right now in your heart are determining the person you're going to be 
in five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. There's a lot of people that have gone through this cycle of problems and pain and hurt in their life. And they're like, guess what? I, I don't have any choice. This is the only choice I can make. Listen, let me tell you something. Scripture says every one of us has a choice. And the choices that you make, the choices that I make in these times of hurt and pain are determining the person you're going to be in five years, in 10 years, in 15 years. I'm telling you, if you're making a choice of bitterness, then you will grow up to be a bitter, angry, cynical, gripey, don't walk on my grass person. See, we praise Job for his faith. But Job battled doubt, bitterness, fear, depression, because his pain was like ongoing. And in the scriptures, you can see self-pity and you can see depression and you can see bitterness and you can see anger sprinkled all the way through this book. Uh, Job chapter three, verse one. And after this, Job opened his mouth when he talked to his friends for the first time and he cursed the day of his birth. And Job said, let the day perish on which I was born. In the night that said, a man is conceived, let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. What happened to the guy? What happened to the guy that when he walked into this season, said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, Job is trying to understand that when life doesn't make sense and there's prolonged pain, it can be difficult. Job 3.11, why did I not, Job says, why did I not die at birth? Why did I not just come out of the womb and expire? Job 3.26, am I not at ease nor am I quiet? I have no rest, but trouble comes. Job 7.7, 7, remember that my life is a breath and my eye will never see good. Job 17.1, my spirit is broken. My days are extinct. In the graveyard is ready for me. Job 17, 11. My days are past. My plans are broken off. The desires of my heart. Job 17, 2. As God lives, who has taken away my right and the Almighty, who has made my soul bitter. He's blaming God. See, the human mind... We want to know two things when we go through pain. We want to know why, and we want to know how long, right? Now, if someone could just tell me how long. Is it six months? Is it a year? And if someone could just tell me why. And God says, I just want you to trust me. When there was no end in Job's pain, he battled bitterness towards God and resentment towards his friends. Fact is, Job even had even had thoughts of of suicide. Job had thoughts that it would probably just be better for everyone around me if I just went ahead and just ended my life. Can I just tell you, especially students, that is never the right decision. When you're going through prolonged pain, never make a permanent decision to a temporary problem. Job's problem was temporary. 
never make a permanent decision to a temporary problem. That's never God's will. And that's probably one of the most selfish and hurtful and painful things a person can do that leaves a family behind that is fragmented and destroyed. This verse tells me, Job chapter, uh, James chapter 5, 11, Behold, when we consider those blessed who remain steadfast, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have even seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Just a few things that you need to remember when you go through these times. Just like Job, you, you have to remember that God understands everything you're walking through and everything you're going through. You have to continue to repeat the spiritual disciplines that even though they say, seem redundant. You stay in church, you stay in Christian community, you stay connected to that life group. You stay connected to your friends. And you have to be realistic. You may be in this for the long haul. So dig in. And that you need Christian friends, Christian community, and not live in isolation. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and, and your eyes closed, let me just ask you, what is, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? What is God saying to you as, as a result of his word? What, what is your next step? What is, he, what is he asking you to do? See, this, this is the part of the service. This is really one of the most important times that we have together. This is the time when we minister one to another. We minister to each other. We bear one another's burdens. And so this is why none of us start gathering our stuff and trying to get out early, trying to exit while people are trying to come down for prayer and respond. This is the time when we understand we get it, what's taking place in this place and what is going on in this place. This is the time when we bear one another's burdens. It'd probably shock every one of us to know the amount and the of burdens that are brought into this service, every service, every weekend here at Fellowship the Rockies. This is the time that we have a responsibility to bear, to minister to one another. So this morning, if you're carrying a burden and you say, you know what, I, I, just, I just need prayer. I just need someone to come alongside of me and to lift that burden. We want to do that. We really do. So in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. As we stand, if you're carrying a burden, if you say, you know what, I just need prayer. You don't need to be embarrassed by that. Every one of us needs prayer. There's a weekend that I was off and I wasn't preaching that weekend. And my family attended Fellowship the Rockies. And we responded to this time. And we responded as a family in prayer. So I need prayer and you need prayer. Every one of us needs prayer. So if you're carrying a burden, we want to pray for you. We want to minister to you. We want to lift that burden. You don't have to be a member here at Fellowship. The Rockies fact is this won't even make you a member. So after I pray and we stand, if you need prayer, you come. Father, we thank you for today. And Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you for the power of your name. And Father, we just thank you that you love us and you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. Father, we thank you that the way that you heal, the way that you minister is through community, that you use each one of us. May this morning, may we bear one of those burdens in a way that brings you honor and glory. Father, we just ask that people would respond to you and that burdens would be lifted, people would be ministered to, and they'd know that you're here with them 
in this moment, in this time. Father, we look forward to see what you're going to do. For we ask these things in Jesus' name.